Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. And what a joy it is today uh, for me and the wrapping of the series that we've done on depression to have our special guest here today. Uh, this man and his calling uh, has, does, and will continue to mean a lot to me. Uh, I'm not going to say it makes me feel old, but uh, I used to coach him when he was uh, in high school, and uh, that's been a while back. But uh, Dr. Al Saunders is our guest today. He is the owner and director of Wellspring Christian Clinic. Al's a native of Birmingham, went to Briarwood High School, got his undergraduate degree from Auburn University, his graduate degree in clinical psychology uh, from the Georgia School of Professional Psychologists. He did his internship at UAB in psychiatry and he is a rare guy uh, professionally. He is a clinical psychologist and does his practice from a Christian perspective. Wellspring is so highly established now. He has so many licensed professional counselors. He has MDs, psychiatrists on his staff. Uh, social workers, uh, counselors in every aspect uh, of need. You know, I am so um, proud of what the Lord has done and is doing through him and his practice. He's married to Angie, three uh, girls, uh, May, Kate, Lucy, and a son, Trey. Uh, he's an elder at Briarwood. And just um, several of us as pastors, are we don't do clinical counseling. We do pastoral counseling, and there's value in that. But we see that there is a great need and an increasing need for clinical counseling. In fact, you know the testimonies you've heard during our series on um, depression, did you know that all three who gave testimonies have been uh, recipients of counsel at the Wellspring Christian Clinic. And that is a, a blessing, as have many of you. So uh, Dr. Saunders, uh, come on up today. This is the best uh, group I've ever pastored in all these years. They will hang on every word. They will give you encouragement. And uh, we just look forward to hearing what you have to say. Now, let's ask the Lord to use this man uh, as he speaks to us this morning. Lord, we just ask that you would anoint uh, your word through this, your servant. We thank you that one of the um, descriptions of your son is that he is a wonderful counselor. And we thank you that you have ordained the ministry of counseling, Lord, yourself 
and personified it through your own son. Now bless Dr. Saunders today and as he delivers a message to us in Jesus' name. Let's give him a hand for being here with us today. We love you, buddy. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I probably ought to say a word. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it brief. Um, my athletic achievements could probably fit on this little page here, so we'll go ahead and get that out of the way. Uh, back in my day when, uh, when you played <clears throat> sports at Briarwood, it was more of a sign-up than a tryout. So, uh, Coach had a lot of, uh, that was real coaching back in those days, right? Our center was 6-1. Uh, we didn't strike fear in the hearts of many opponents. <laughs> um, all right, uh, well today, um, I kind of had a choice. Coach gave me a little bit of a choice on whether to talk about depression or anxiety. Uh, a lot of the things I'm going to talk about, well, today is going to be more focused on anxiety, but um, there's a ton of application for uh, most of what I'm going to say for depression as well. Um, uh, anxiety really is more of my favorite thing, which makes me a very strange person. <laughs> uh, so anyway, let's, let's dive in. You know, the Bible says don't be anxious about anything. So if Coach would like to come on up and close us up in prayer, we'll get out of here. And uh, we'll beat all the other churches to Jim and Nick's. Uh, there was my $100 sponsorship. I get paid for that. Um, now, I'm not sure about you guys, but I'm so glad that God goes to great efforts to explain His commands instead of just giving them like that. If we stopped that verse right there, it'd be pretty intimidating. So, uh, I pray that the Lord uh, would do that effectively through the mouth of a, gracious, of a graciously redeemed sinner this morning. So, uh, bear with me as I, uh, uh, I'm a psychologist, not a pastor. <laughs> All right, uh, let's, let's talk about it. Uh, what is anxiety? Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to try not to be terribly clinical today. There's so many things I want to talk about uh, from a spiritual point of view um, as it relates to anxiety. Um, but there's a couple things we probably need to get out of the way first. Uh, anxiety is definitely different from fear and worry. Okay, so let me just uh, explain a little bit of that for a second. Uh, fear is a normal but unpleasant emotion um, that happens when we believe that someone or something is dangerous, okay? God, God designed our bodies to have that ability to respond. Um, you may hear me say a lot today that, that fear is an emotional response to a perceived threat, okay? Um, I'm going to use words today, today like perception and view and expectations, uh, um, and I may even use the word cognitive, okay? Uh, I'm just talking about the way we think about things, the way we perceive things, our beliefs. Um, so fear is, is, is useful and healthy. It's, it can be specific and constructive. Um, uh, you know, imagine that, um, well, it, 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 uh, it kicks off something called a fight-flight response, and I won't go into a ton of detail about that, but, but when I perceive a threat, um, my fight-flight response kicks in, and I get an adrenaline, adrenaline release, and I become more powerful than I was before. Um, you would, an example of that would be if I see a speeding car coming towards me. Uh, that is a great time for fear to kick in to enable me to get out of the way. Um, 
uh, as compared to anxiety. Anxiety is more of a feeling of apprehension about what's to come or maybe something that's happened in the past. Um, anxiety is diffuse. It's not specific. It's more generalized. And it is more debilitating and paralyzing. It doesn't spring me into action. Um, anxiety tends to um, make me freeze. Um, uh, I guess sticking with the car example, after you've avoided the speeding car, anxiety would be the thing that makes you wonder when the next car would be coming. Okay? Uh, if that makes sense to you. Um, it, it, it makes you feel like you're fragile in general. Okay? Um, some would say it's caused by a threat to our sense of self. Things like, who am I? Do I have what it takes? Am I safe? Am I loved? Those are the kinds of things where anxiety kicks in. Uh, I hope that's clear. And then we have worry. Um, okay, so fear and anxiety are emotions. Worry is a behavior, okay? So um, worry is kind of an anxiety-based rumination, uh, where you'll think and think and think. You'll focus your attention on something. Um, some have said that anxiety is a mental form of control or an attempt to control. You might sit back and worry about the 15 different things that could happen today. Uh, that's, more, uh, that's worrying, and it's based on anxiety. So occasionally anxiety is not unusual or treatment-worthy, uh, but if your feelings of anxiety become extreme and it lasts for months, um, then you may have what we call an anxiety disorder, and that's where, that's where guys like me kick in. Okay, um, <clears throat> and uh, some of you guys may be interested in this. Uh, I'm going to fly through some forms that anxiety would take, but we're really not going to spend a lot of time on that. If you have questions about that later, we can talk about it. Um, these are some things you've probably heard of. Panic disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, uh, phobias and social anxiety, uh, OCD. Um, all those things, what they have in common is, um, is, a, is a fear of something or, or a perception that something is threatening. Okay? Um, and we just give it a different name uh, to describe the thing that someone might find threatening. Uh, so uh, those would be different diagnosis type of things. Um, all right. So how big of a problem is anxiety? Uh, well, some people have referred to the last 10, 15 years as the age of anxiety. Uh, it is the most common mental health problem. It's not even close. Um, I think that uh, Americans' expectations are partly to blame for that. Uh, when life doesn't meet our expectations, we think something's wrong. You know, it, it, uh, if we try to um, share our complaints with other people all over the world, they would think that we were the biggest babies. Uh, we have such high expectations about the way life is supposed to go for us here in America. We've been so blessed in many ways, but on the flip side, uh, it isn't really a blessing because we're miserable <laughs> and anxious. We're miserably anxious people. Um, in fact, 40 million American adults, this would be over the age of 18, suffer from some type of anxiety. That's 18% of our population. Um, and for teenagers, it's 25% of Americans. So one out of every four uh, kid from 13 to 18 
suffering from an anxiety disorder. That's epidemic level. And, and let me just give my plug against social media for just a second. Uh, for decades, the rate of anxiety in teens was fairly steady, about 8%, you know, something like that. Um, and since the iPhone and social media came out, I think it was like 03 or 05, the rates of anxiety in teenagers has gone up 25% a year. Isn't that terrible? I mean, I have an iPhone somewhere. I'll put this thing on silent. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, it's not that I'm against that at all, but um, it, uh, as you'll see in, in what we keep talking about, I think all that sort of thing does have something, a part to play in the rise of anxiety in teenagers, and probably adults too. Um, but anyway, one more, one more statistic. People love these statistics, I think. Uh, treatment for anxiety in the U.S. costs $50 billion, $50 billion. And I only make half of that, so I don't know where the other people are going. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty big problem. Okay. Uh, so what causes anxiety? Well, um, I will probably say this a lot today, okay? So I think that, that anxiety is caused by incorrect perceptions of threat and unrealistic expectations. Now, both of those are cognitively related, okay? Hopefully, if I do my job right, I'll unpack that pretty good for you today. But, but I would say that anxiety is caused by, by incorrect perceptions of, thing, of threats everywhere and unrealistic expectations. Um, because I, okay, if, when I say that anxiety is always rooted in a wrong perception, um, what I mean by that is, you know, as, as I said a minute ago, if I perceive that something is a threat, then I will respond with the fight-flight response, okay? Um, uh, that's God's greatest gift of protection for me, other than himself. The fight-flight response is incredible. Uh, we use it every day. Thousands of times in a, in a lifetime, you will use a fight-flight response. Uh, so if the perception of threat is real, um, then we use it to cope with the situation. But if it's not real, then I have no use for this power that's flowing through my body um, and my mind. Um, okay, so I believe that there are some really some core threats, okay? I think there's four of them. And just like anything else, there may be five or six, maybe ten, but these are probably fairly close. Uh, so these would be common threats that we perceive. The first one is abandonment. Um, these are things that, that, that would make people anxious, okay? Um, the perception that I've been abandoned or isolated um, or that I'm alone or that I'm going to be rejected or vulnerable. The next one would be insufficiency. My perception that I'm powerless and incapable, not good enough, uh, not smart enough or strong enough. Uh, the third category, I think, would be uncertainty, the perception of uncertainty. Um, that the outcome is unknown, um, that there's some sort of impending bad outcome. Then the last one would be pain and suffering. Um, my perception, if I perceive that pain and suffering will be endless and pointless, um, negative consequences, humiliation, failure, death, um, I think that's a, a, a list that all of us can probably identify with. Uh, you may have a favorite of those four. You know, abandonment, insufficiency, uncertainty, and pain and suffering. Um, so if our perceptions were correct, 
and we were actually abandoned, insufficient, facing uncertainty, or facing um, unending pain and suffering, then our fear response would be appropriate, right? But is that true? Um, in my opinion, the root of anxiety is wrong perception, and the source of those wrong perceptions is deeply spiritual. Okay? Uh, more specifically, I believe that our anxieties are rooted in our wrong beliefs about God. Um, I believe that our anxieties are rooted in our doubts about God, whichever word you like there, wrong beliefs or doubts. So what would those be? Um, now, as I go through this, I want you to think back on the four things, abandonment, insufficiency, uncertainty, and pain and suffering. Uh, and I want you to notice that those four common threats are linked to four very specific doubts about God. The first one is God's omnipresence. Uh, I think we doubt sometimes that God is not omnipresent. Now, omnipresent means not ever-present and not constantly with me, um, that God has abandoned me, that he's given up on me, uh, that I'm all alone and it's only up to me to sink or swim. Okay. Uh, the second thing would be a, a, a doubt about God. We sometimes doubt that God is not omnipotent, that he's not all-powerful and not in control or sovereign. So the results of life are up to me. Um, I'm going to be overwhelmed with more than I can bear uh, because God isn't powerful enough to save me. Uh, one thing I like to think about as far as this omnipotence thing is David and Goliath. You guys know the story. Um, David, a little boy, he was bringing the soldier's bread. Uh, his brothers were there. And he uh, looked out on the field, and Goliath was mocking the Israelite army. And, and David's view of Goliath, compared to his view of God, was very small. <laughs> and because his view of God was bigger, he had confidence, courage. Um, the, his brothers and the rest of the army, their view of Goliath compared to themselves. You see the negative difference there. Um, if I view <clears throat> my problems... Um, here, and God's power, his, his potency here, then I'm going to be anxious. Uh, another doubt about God is so we sometimes doubt that God is not omniscient, which means all-knowing, that his plan is bad, that his plan is not going to work out for my good, um, that he's unaware of my circumstances. You ever think that? Uh, that he may be too busy with someone else. Uh, the fourth thing would be that God is not good. Uh, he doesn't care if I get hurt. He's not concerned about my safety or my joy. Um, so we got, these would be doubts that are very common. That God is not omnipresent, that he's not omnipotent, that he's not omniscient, all-knowing, and that he, he's not good. Um, so if, if we doubt those things about God, then the effect of that could be really devastating. Um, because if I remove God and his attributes then I truly am exposed and vulnerable and dependent on some things. Let's talk about some of those things. Um, for myself, you know, I, have, I could have a weird view, a dysfunctional view of myself. I might view myself as that I should be omnipotent, omniscient, you know, that I should know all things, uh, that I must be good enough and smart enough, uh, better than I am, or that my identity and security could be wrapped up in these things. Um, and they 
constantly disappoint you. Um, we, it would lead to a belief that other people should or must love you and accept you, or that the circumstances of life must always be smooth, um, or that things are, are going to make you happy. Uh, and I guess one other thing is, is about life, that the focal point of life is me, that I own my life. Um, if we have these unrealistic expectations that life isn't supposed to be like this. So if I take God out, then it messes up my perspective about myself and things and other people and life um, end up in a mess. Uh, okay, so how can we overcome anxiety? What time do I need to be done? Okay. Uh, all right, good. Yeah, don't worry. See, my whole life revolves in hour segments, so I'm not going to keep you an hour. Uh, once I get rolling enough, enough. <laughs> I said, how do we overcome anxiety? That's what you paid big money to hear this morning, right? (laughs) Okay, if anxiety is caused by an incorrect perception and, and unrealistic expectations, then we must correct them with the truth. Okay, so let's dive into that. Uh, We have to start with our deeply rooted wrong beliefs about God. That's where it's got to begin. Uh, If we can fix the root, then the fruit of the tree will be peace. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but the opposite of anxiety is peace. Um, And I find sometimes in my work that if I focus on helping someone not be angry, not be anxious, not be depressed, not be selfish, we can miss the boat sometimes. I think we ought to focus on what are we pursuing? What, what positive attributes or characteristics should we become? So I like to call this first step <clears throat> in overcoming anxiety, I like to call this remembering our position um, in respect to God and, res- and in respect and with God. So remembering our position in respect to God and with God. Um, now, this is a cognitive part, okay? Uh, so, God is omnipresent. He's ever-present and constantly with me. That is true. He never takes his eyes off of me. You guys know Psalm 23, Psalm 139. You probably sing songs about that. Uh, but when I take my eyes off of him, he seems to disappear. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> I love the story of Peter walking on the water. Uh, he was doing awesome focused on Jesus, doing great, doing things that humans don't normally do, at least that I've ever seen. But then it, the Bible says he got focused on the wind and the waves around him. And to me, uh, in my life, and I'm sure in yours, there's a lot of wind and waves, whether it's you know, physical pain or troubles at work, troubles in your marriage. Um, those things can be very distracting. Uh, and in, in Peter's case, when he took his eyes off the Lord, he began to sink. Uh, and he says he fixed that not by working on his swim technique. He fixed it by calling out to Jesus. Um, so, um, and I, here's kind of a weird concept, but uh, worry can create our own personal hell. Uh, and, and now hell is a place where God is not. Uh, I think everybody probably agrees with that. Um, if, I, if I worry and feel anxious, I'm going into a place that's not even existent. Okay, um, 
It's a place where God is not present. Because when I, when I find myself anxious, it's because I've taken God out of the equation. So in fact, I've, I've put myself in a place that's a lot like hell. I don't really want to be there. Um, I would encourage you to keep God in the equation. Okay, so remembering our position. Well, God is omnipresent. Do we really believe that He's omnipresent? Do we really believe that God is always with us? Number two, God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is in total control and sovereign. He owns everything. He controls everything. He provides everything. Uh, Our job is to be a steward. God's job is to be the owner. Um, And that's great news because the owner is the one that has to worry about all the bottom line and the stress. Uh, you know, the, the manager at Chick-fil-A, when, they're time, when it hits 501, they're out the door texting their girlfriend or something. I don't know. They're not worried about profitability. They're, they're just a manager. <coughs> um, God's job is to handle the results of life. Um, God's God, and I'm just a man. But if I start putting myself in God's position, I become overwhelmed in a half a second. Because um, I'm not qualified. I'm, I'm omni-weak. I'm not omnipotent. Uh, I can hardly control my own kids who actually aren't here today. Yeah, I can tell you funny stories about them. No, we won't do that. Um, okay, so do I really believe that God is omnipotent? Do I really believe that? Thirdly, God is omniscient, all-knowing. God's plan is best. He knows exactly where I've been, where I am, and where I'm going. But for me, you know, looking out here, I'm, I'm saying this is probably a common thing. Uh, don't we sometimes forget where we've been and where we're going and why we're even there? <laughs> uh, after I hit 50, I started realizing this is, uh, is kind of normal. Uh, from God's perspective, I'm still on plan A. Um, now, I know that may be another lesson for another day. I like to throw out these bombshells and make coach clean it up uh from god's perspective we're all still on plan a to me it feels like i'm on plan double z by now um but even though it doesn't look like it to me god is sovereign over the events of my life and is bringing me to exactly where he wants me to be um what is one of my favorite quotes and i'm gonna say it in a couple of ways Uh, if i knew everything god knows then I would make the same decisions God makes. Or stated another way, God always gives us what we would have asked for if we'd known everything He knows. That's something really I really want you to think. If you get nothing else out of today, I would really like you to think about that. That God is sovereign. So he, when I pray, He gives me what I would have asked for if I knew everything that He knows. Do I really believe that God is omniscient like that? I really believe he knows everything. And fourthly, God's good. Uh, he, you know, Matthew 6, 25-34, he provides food, lifespan, shelter, clothing. Uh, he does care if I get hurt. But more importantly, he wants me to grow. Matthew 7, 9-11, good fathers don't give stones for bread or snakes for fish. And he says, if you're an earthly father and you know how to good, good, give good gifts, how much more so me? I made you. Suffering is redemptive and always has a purpose. Um, God's love and care 
You know, if we ever doubt that God loves us, look, He proved that on the cross. He went to great lengths to demonstrate His love for you. He took on, took on our punishment. Uh, just because suffering doesn't make sense to us doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense to God. We're pretty finite. You know? Like I said a minute ago, I'm not, uh, I'm not super omniscient. I'm, I'm omni-stupid. Uh, who am I to, uh, just because it doesn't make sense to me, isn't it possible that it makes sense to God for reasons that I don't understand? Um, again, that's one of those I'm going to make Steve handle that uh, a discussion on suffering. That's your next series, right? <laughs> so do, we, do we really believe that God is good? So, so here are the four things. Do I really believe that God is omnipresent? Do I really believe He's omnipotent? Do I really believe He's omniscient? And do I really believe He's good? Okay, so first we want to remember our position. Okay, that's the key. We're talking about how do we deal with anxiety. First, we need to remember our position and the truths about God. The next thing is we need to relocate our identity. Okay, now this is also cognitive. So remember our position, relocate our identity. What does this mean? Well, it means placing my security and identity in God rather than in myself. Uh, because when I place my security and power, intelligence, my basketball shot, which we didn't have a three-point shot in those days, so I wasn't very good. Uh, you didn't get extra points for getting your shot blocked. Um, okay, if I place my security and power, intelligence, beauty, uh, then our security, my security can be taken away. That's a real bad case of identity theft, isn't it? Um, these are finite things. I call them little g gods. They sure are fun, and, and God made them. They're wonderful. They created things, uh, but they were never meant to be gods. They make terrible gods. They're going to let you down. Uh, I want to make sure that I place my security and identity in God, so I need to relocate my identity. The third thing, after we've remembered our position... And, and relocated our identity, we need to refocus from ourselves to others. Okay? Now we're into the behavioral kind of steps now. We've kind of left the cognitive, the perception, belief world behind for a second, and now we're getting into action. First um, John 4.18 says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So you can think of love as the opposite of fear. Um, we can drive out fear by getting our focus off of ourselves and onto others. Um, by the way, just to give an example, uh, this is very effective when someone's in my office with social anxiety, um, which it would be a fear um, of what everyone thinks of them and a fear that they're going to do something silly or embarrassing. Uh, if, you can, uh, if you can teach someone with social anxiety uh, active listening skills and, and ways to, to reach out and, and love other people, get their focus onto other people, more times than not, their anxiety starts to go away. When they realize that, that, they, that if they can just quit thinking about what they're going to say next, and whether it's going to be humorous or, you know, uh, impactful, uh, and just focus on other people, the anxiety tends to go away. Um, uh, Jesus commanded us to love one another. And I don't know that he was just saying that just so the world would be a happier place. Maybe it would have been. But I think part of it is he knew 
something about the way we're designed. And he knew that if we could, it, we'll just implode and slip into depression and anxiety if it's all about me. Um, but by commanding me to reach out and love other people, it's very healing. Um, and I don't know if you guys are Tim Keller fans, um, but he says there's freedom in forgetting myself and focusing on loving others. He's got a little book that I would recommend. It'd take you about 20 minutes to read it, which is my favorite kind of book. Uh, it's called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. Um, it's, it's a very quick read. And his point in that is that our culture wants us to make everything about us. Me, 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 me. And, and, that, uh, and then some kind of a warped view of what the Bible would say is that I'm, I'm just supposed to focus on how bad I am, how um, you know, worthless I am. So it's, he argues that the freedom to be, to, uh, that peace would come when I don't focus more on me or less on me, but uh, when, when I don't think of myself highly or super lowly, but when I think of myself less often. And, and it's a little bit of a play on words there. Not thinking more of myself or less of myself, but thinking of myself less often. Um, you should try it. Pretty, it's, uh, yeah, it'll make you think about things a little differently, I think. Um, so, definitely people who have healthy self-worth are people that don't think of themselves that often. Now, our culture would tell you that's just the opposite, that I need to make sure that all my needs are met. Well, that's why we're the most anxious culture in the world. Okay, uh, and then the last thing. Um, after we've remembered our position, relocated our identity, refocused from ourselves to others, um, it's time to move forward. Okay, and again, this is a behavioral sort of approach. Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says, uh, now bear with me, this is a little bit long, and most of you could quote it. Uh, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which is the opposite of anxiety, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Did you notice all the action in there? Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, think on these things. I mean, it's a a massive list of great things to be thinking about. Uh, we can go ahead and thank God because He always gives us what we would have asked for if we'd known everything He knows, like we talked about a minute ago. Uh, Psalm 3, verse 3 says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Uh, I don't know if you all like stuff like this, but you know the type of shield that David is referring to is almost the full size of a body, and it kind of curves around. You know, some little shields that are small that you use while you're in combat. The shield he's talking about, um, you probably saw them in Roman you know, army movies or whatever. They could literally kneel behind it and they could um, besiege a city. And if, so if they're throwing stuff down on you, you're protected. Um, so this type of shield is fantastic when you're moving forward. <laughs> Not too good when you're retreating or running. Okay, you're exposed. So David is saying, you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. Um, 
We must actively remember God's promises and don't retreat. Um, take action and move forward. Um, okay. Uh, now, obviously, I'm a psychologist, so there are a lot of um, things that go on in my office with clients uh, um, that where I try to help people reclaim some of the areas where anxiety has taken it. Okay. Um, uh, but without these, the basics of the truth, it's really a waste of time. Because um, there's, you know, there's certainly a place for techniques like relaxation and exposure to your fears and, and uh, desensitizing. Um, but techniques fail without the underpinnings of truth about God. So, uh, let's see. In conclusion, uh, in Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13, Paul says, I have learned the secret of, of being content at peace. In, in, let's see, in any and every situation. Let me read that again. Um, I have learned the secret of being content at peace in any and every situation. You ever thought about what is this secret of peace? I think we kind of read right past that and don't think, what's it? a secret? Learn the secret? What is it, bro? Paul's peace is not just an absence of anxiety. Okay, It's the presence of God himself. If you go back and read it, that's what Paul's talking about. Um, so, peace is not just getting rid of anxieties, you know, uh, but it's the presence of God himself. Christian peace um, is not just getting rid of negative thoughts, and, and if I'm afraid of spiders and snakes, getting rid of all those. Um, instead, Christian peace is based on trusting and believing in the truths about God. This empowers a Christian to move through their anxiety and turmoil and not away from it. Um, all right, well, let me pray for us. I'm done. Let's see. Yeah, did good on time. Didn't even take an hour. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we are so fragile. Uh, you are not, Lord. You are omnipresent. You're omniscient. You're omnipotent. You, you are good. Uh, Lord, we, we don't last very long in this world uh, when we lose sight of those things. Lord, I just pray that something that I would have said this morning uh, would bring that to mind uh, for these folks. And uh, I thank you for uh, allowing me this opportunity to come and, and talk about your truths with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Man. Isn't that a good, isn't that helpful? telling you that was a good deal look I've been around the block a while I've been to seminary and everything I've never heard anything any more profound than God always gives me what I would have asked for if I had known what he knew did you hear that When I look at my own suffering, when you look at yours, can you say that your faith in the omnipotence, the omnipresence of God Almighty, choosing you, knowing how he was going to birth you and to whom he would birth you into the earth with all the baggage, do you believe in the sovereignty of God enough to believe? 
that he always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew what he knew. Now that is amazing. That puts suffering into perspective with a redemptive purpose to it. Let's all stand. Dinner and I love you. We pray for you every day. Thank you for being such a faithful faith family. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless Dr. Saunders, his practice, the ministry you've given him there, and we bless these, your children. We pray, Lord, that you would give us all greater revelation of who you really are, that you are omniscient. You're right here with us, that you're omnipresent, that you know all things in your omniscience, out of your love. Father, we have all that we need to succeed in this journey of life, to overcome. Thank you for your mighty and wonderful grace. Now we bless all who have heard and who will hear this message, and may we receive it and act on it in the precious name of Jesus. Go with God. He's going with you. We'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.